to this episode of Spotlight with Sandhya. Our guest today has been called many names. Enfant terrible, visionary, maverick. CNN named him as amongst the 10 most remarkable people in 2010. He recently featured on the Netflix series on the creative Indians. Let's get Raghava KK on the show to find out how he does the remarkable leaps that he does on his creative journey. Hi, Sandhya. Hi. Thank you so much. It's so special to talk to you. You've known me from when I've been in half pants. So I think you, we're going to have an interesting conversation. Actually, first time I saw you, you were actually in a dhoti. I think you were oh. in 11th or 12th standard and you had, had some uh, surgery for your appendicitis or something. And you had to wear oh my a dhoti and come to school. I cannot even begin to pin down the many different things that you do. So let's start from the very beginning when you were in school and decided that you like to draw cartoons. How did you discover this talent in yourself? And how did you decide from day one that it is something, a gift that you have and you are going to monetize it and people will have to pay you for it? I remember that about you. So let's begin from there. Actually started with that appendicitis uh, incident because I was for months because my appendix had gotten infected and I had series of operations. So I was stuck in a classroom or stuck at home and I used to keep drawing and doodling. And uh, one of the biggest concerns that the whole world had when I was a young cartoonist was that how are you going to survive? How are you going to make a living out of it? And on the other hand, it's the artist would say, you can't be commercial. I was like, how do I resolve this, you know? So I decided that whatever I do, I have to have a holistic approach to it. That means my personal life, my professional life, and my curiosity or my spiritual seeking, so to speak, all had to, whatever I did had to address all of them. So I made sure I made money out of whatever I did. You've done an amazing number of things. and. The interesting part is you never stopped being an artist. You raised uh, millions of dollars in funding for your various enterprises. Um, but you've also managed to hang out with the coolest people and collaborate with uh, legendary musicians like Paul Simon. Had the opportunity yeah. to also hang out with Charles Hills, the creator of uh, the comic strip Peanuts, which is my favorite. And how do you? He was my God. So, Raghava, <laughs> tell me, how do you manage to do all this? I mean, did you have a plan? Like you were very focused that you would a make a career as a cartoonist, but then how did you manage to do all these various things that you did? Did you have a plan that from being a cartoonist, X point in your life, you're going to be, you know, a world famous speaker? You've been on that. TED Talks four times. I haven't heard of anybody who's been invited four times around. You've developed and five times, and that makes me a TED whore. But yeah. <laughs> but to answer your question, Sandhya, um, I never had a plan, but I had a philosophy. My philosophy is you can't fool me, I'm too dumb. And it's as simple as I don't want to sabotage what I can become. I don't want to come in the way of myself. And, and so I was actually very naive. I had no clue how things actually worked. I didn't realize even the most freeing of careers had a path, had a 
standards had like all these things to live up to i was saying i'm an artist i'm free now i'm free from the shackles of society i can be whoever i want to be and that really is what drove me and so if something interested me i would put all efforts so i would spend uh 12 15 hours a day sketching i would if i and i always compared myself with the masters i wanted to say look at david uh, levine who's one of my favorite cartoonists or um and then i would say how can i be as good as him and i would try drawing a caricature and look at it and say ew mine looks so bad how does he do it and then i would try it a hundred times a thousand times until i felt i was getting close there so my gurus were actually mostly dead artists or the greatest artists and i wanted to understand what how art can possess me how i can have a relationship with art so one of the most um, remarkable things about you and indeed your parents is that they allowed you to stop uh, formal education when you finished your 12th why did you decide to do that did you not want any formal training in art i would say art was more the closest thing that would let me be me i was not committed to the profession of art i was not committed to being the uh, the sort of sort of pushing the boundaries of art i was too young to know even those concepts mm-hmm. i was just interested in seeing how i can learn more about myself and my dad unfortunately is a very philosophical man and this is the beauty of engaging with philosophy you can sort of deconstruct anything <laughs> so the the old man was having his whiskey one day and i said pa why should i study and he listed out these values of education and i said do you think i'm getting he's like you have to be a good citizen you have to learn how to learn forget learning what they're teaching you learn how to learn and then he had all these great ideas and i said pa where am i learning all of this at school i mean school is really just cramming stuff into my head so i built a curriculum for myself and every quarter sandhya i had to report to him saying pa this week i learned how to uh, publish a cartoon i learned how to do my accounts i learned how to go and show people that i'm serious when nobody takes me seriously so it, those were most soft skills and which school teaches us that and it came across as self indulgent and arrogant to many people because i also feel that most of us don't allow ourselves to be fully ourselves and we are so concerned about validation social validation maybe that part of my brain was missing i wanted to get where i wanted to go and i wanted to see how it feels like i interviewed cartoonists and asked them when you wake up what's the first thing you think of what do you do the whole day like what um what do you do suppose you're working on a cartoon how do you develop that idea you know and those are the kind of things that were exciting me because i had ideas i had things that i hated i had things that i wanted to fight against so i was a little precautious because i didn't know better how did you make the move into painting i met a wonderful wonderful human being called milan nayak who is unfortunately no more and milan actually adopted me literally and said ragava suma his wife won't let me buy new paints till i finish these off and these are expensive high quality paints and he showed me how he, he just carelessly uses them for me i had to save up buy one set and then i would carefully touch it you know paint but he just was pouring it on the canvas and letting his energy out and he said 
the truth is you need to flow with the medium every medium has its own personality watercolor is disobedient and that's why i like it <laughs> whereas oil is very obedient almost resistantly obedient you put it there it stays there acrylic is a very plastic medium it can behave as both so um he taught me how to understand uh, to be sensitive to the personality of a medium and i would sit with him every night and watch him paint and that day he said finish finish up these paints and paint anything that comes to you don't try to create a masterpiece he said the problem is if you try to create a masterpiece you're trying to you're limited by what you know and that was such a beautiful lesson that um, i went back home that day and i painted 100 paintings and i realized wow i can paint i didn't even know i could paint and uh, within a few months i was show him my work and he was so encouraging we decided to do a show together and that was my first exhibition in bangalore that's how i started and there was no stopping me <laughs> and you have a very unique technique right you paint with your fingers i used to use my hands and feet because uh, i had much more motor control of my fingers than i did of a brush because a brush uh, increased the friction between what i was feeling and what i was creating i used to paint with my body and i was like paint big works i want i was i love thinking big sandhya larger than life larger than life push the boundaries push the boundaries you know my watercolors were mixed in buckets <laughs> not in little cups buckets of paint being poured over a canvas or over yeah. yourself while you ran around the canvas yeah. Yeah. wonderful ragava tell me how did it feel you were barely in your early 20s but you are already selling at a much higher price than most of the established artists in at least in bangalore and suddenly you were out there in the international market so to speak and uh, who are the well known collectors or uh, the celebrities who own your work now would you be able to tell us absolutely uh, it actually didn't feel that good because the very people who were supportive started feeling threatened by me and they kept saying this boy is all about himself which to some extent is true because what else can we stay true to it was not about my name or my brand but it was about my personality it was the only thing that i felt was my gift to the world so uh, i always had to deal with people feeling threatened one of my first patrons was benazir bhutto i have uh, very very fond memories of my meeting with her aslima nasreen and the all of this happened in boston at harvard where i was uh, when i was staying in boston for four years i was the de facto art director for all their plays and anything harvard did so not anything harvard did the south asians at harvard did so i was always naughty i met a lot of people i was uh, very curious um, i i actually sold uh, my first big large work to the uh, royal family of uh, the king and queen of morocco i met my favorite artist farid belkahia in morocco and that was a turning point but i was 21 so i was very uh, all of this was a story i so i've always been a storyteller too i was living it and waiting to write that down and go and tell my friends that leads us into my next question 
So you have actually become a regular storyteller. You have created a game, if I'm right, which creates, uh, which tells stories to children. You have created an entire business vertical to tell stories to, and you're using technology to do that. Can you explain a little bit more about how this happened? Absolutely. I'll tell you about two, three projects briefly, and then I'll tell you my idea of what stories are and how powerful they are and how bullshitty they are as well. <laughs> um, so to begin with, uh, my first uh, public uh, storytelling happened at TED. I mean, I've been telling stories all my life, uh, but the one that caught the attention of the world was at TED called Five Lies of an Artist. When uh, Apple saw that, they asked me to tell a story on the iPad. They said, iPad is different from a book. Everyone's looking at Kindle. You know, when you think of a book, you have a certain type of narrative. Now, I was not interested in anything didactic because I was almost allergic to this, uh, you know, the the high knowledgeable greatness of great minds bullshit. Mm -hmm. I wanted to engage with ideas. So anything that told me what to know and what is the truth was boring for me. So I said, if I'm doing a children's book, I want it to be naughty. So it's a book about what parents do with children. But when you shake the iPad, you have a lesbian couple bringing up a child. You shake it, you have a homosexual couple. You shake it, you, you have different ideas of what a family is. And I've not had a traditional life. And I don't believe that there is a standard, correct, traditional life. So, and also I wanted to bridge the gap between physical and digital. So when it starts raining outside, it starts raining in the app. When it snows outside, it starts collecting, snow starts collecting in the app. So the idea was to deconstruct any linear narrative. Then I said, can I be even more naughty? And I made a book on India's independence, okay, okay. key moments. A uh, very patriotic book. But when you shake it, you get Pakistan's perspective. When you shake it again, you get the British perspective. But we could not publish it. I would not be sitting here talking to you because no historian was interested in supporting it. Nobody wanted to fund it. It was crossing the boundaries of palatable mischief. <laughs> so that project went off. But then uh, recently, we collaborated with Memesis, uh, Anand Gandhi and Zain Memon to create a board game. So we wrote, my brother Karthik Kalyan Raman and I both wrote uh, uh, the future scenario for a board game on democracy. What is the future of democracy? And we've always thought that storytelling is a great tool. It is the oldest trick in the book on how to communicate and how to share and what does story do? It takes emotion and fact, and it takes you on a journey, right? That's essentially a story. But there's a problem with stories. When one story becomes the truth, it dominates and becomes dogma. And that, for me, is the dangerous aspect of storytelling. For example, I've always believed that there are two types of stories. There's a story I'm telling you right now, Sandhya, and this is my version of Raghava. But there's a story I also tell myself. And the story I tell the world is the story of construction. This happened, then this happened, then I did this. It's a construction of my identity. But the story I tell myself is a deconstruction. I'm not just an artist, Raghava. I'm not just a dad. I'm not just a lover. 
I'm not just a successful guy. I'm not just a failure. I'm not just a fake. And you, you go deeper and deeper into who you who you can be, not who you are. And that is why every storyteller actually has a limitation. What you tell yourself is diametrically opposite to what you tell the world. And that begs the question, is there ever an authentic story? I believe that if you are honestly constructing what you want to construct, that is honesty. And uh, what is the new project that you're working on currently? This year, I had big plans. I was showing in six countries. This was my big comeback. And I've just recovered or recovering from a major loss in my life, my divorce. And um, at that point, I was like, okay, now it's time for me to reinvent myself, my next avatar. And just, I'd made all these plans. Last year, I was in Turkey, Colombia, France, uh, Italy, like all over the world, planning Morocco, thinking about what can I do in different parts of the world. And everything went. I have a studio in Bali that is just frozen. I have all my plans went all, when I say all, 100% just got cancelled. And it threw me into an existential crisis. And at that point, I asked myself, oh, perfect time to actually reinvent yourself. That is not reinvention. That is now presenting to the world what you've been cooking up for many years. Now I have to really ask myself, where am I relevant now? And so I decided the one thing I've been scared of all my life is social media. Because when the more popular you get, the more out there you are, the more haters you get. And we have a bad habit. We have been taught by our parents, anything good said to you is not important. It's flattery. Anything bad said to you, take, pay attention to it. This is a misconception. My friend, Jeff Marks, who's a famous Broadway, he's like a brother to me. He said, Raghava, what others think of you is no business of yours. None of your business. So I said to myself, okay, can I actually do something that, can I face my fear at this point? So I decided to do a performance art piece on Instagram where I looked at Instagram because I saw this movie, Social Dilemma, a social, what is it called? Social? Yeah, there's social dilemma, there's social distance. There are many social. Yeah, there's this, there's this fake news, uh, all the, and all my intellectual friends are busy making a name for themselves, naming all the disorders that come with social media. And I can see that we're reinforcing this anti- technology sentiment all over the world. And I said, but that's the only thing that's allowing you and me to connect at this point, right? And there is a, there's a beautiful aspect to technology. I've always been a believer in technology. So I said, can I strip Instagram into its elements and perform uh, an art, uh, use that as my canvas? And so I called up uh, Anto from under 25, who is the king of social media. He's got like 150 pages. Under 25 is like, they're the largest youth brand. And I said, guys, I want to be relevant to you. I don't want to be only relevant to the art world. I want to be relevant to you. Half of India, 625 million people are under 25. Can I be relevant to them? And they said, dude, We'll have a spiritual retreat in your house, six days. We'll bring in cameras. We will just make the show. So the entire thing was a performance and it's out on Instagram. And every few days I post a new video. 
a magazine article it's so different from anything i've done yeah. as long as it's relevant yes what's the point of the greatest ideas if it cannot meet the world what is the point of me fighting with you intellectually and upping your game when everyone else looks at us like we are madmen and for me i have a split personality there's a part of me that wants to engage in ideas but there's another part of me that wants to be relevant the only message i would like to give to people watching this is don't stop yourself from being who you can be and any growth sandhya has three feelings associated with it loss liberation and mystery when i went through divorce a part of me died and that can never be the same a part of me was liberated now i can date anybody i can be anybody i have my time to myself and at the same time mystery because i have no clue what what how love will play a role in my life so only when you embrace all three are you actually growing and feeling alive so if there's one thing that matters to me it's that absolutely ragava i know your artworks have graced the cover of rolling stone you also designed t-shirts for the paul simon tour i mean you name it the most inconceivable thing you seem to have done it but i also want to show that i am the proud possessor of a little bit of ragava's art right here yes oh my god yeah you, you still have that <laughs> oh my god alan was so instrumental in shaping you know he was the first editor or journalist that i met thanks to uh, munira sen and ponappa had done a cartooning workshop on social good and cartooning and alan came and taught us how to pitch to the press and then i went to him and said you are the press right can i come tomorrow and pitch to you <laughs> he's like what and that's what i did and that's how i started so thank you so much for having that that means a lot to me that means a lot to me and i also remember you were so generous um, when i asked you for illustrations for his novel you were so happy to do the illustration i want to ask you one last question i mean it's it it could be totally inappropriate but i have been curious go for it all time how come you have so many kids i mean <laughs> in this generation who has so many kids i've stopped you know i've stopped counting i've lost track of it you have four kids five kids how many kids do you have i have four moral police in my house <laughs> i have four beautiful human beings i have always wanted a house full of children i have always wanted to live with personalities in a very deep and close way my kids are highly individualistic they are they call my bluff and some of my friends say you're polluting the world with more people that is so irresponsible every child is equal to so much carbon footprint and i'm very grateful that i have every one of them and i i apologize to my friends for taking up resources but if we turn those resources into something meaningful then we can't kill we can't kill humanity because of this at the same time we have to be responsible so hopefully i've done i'm doing my job as a parent and hopefully they will be people who will make a difference in the world in their own way that's lovely ragava thank you so much for being on the show i it is really wonderful to be part of your creative journey 
at least as a you know very interested observer and thank you sandhya and to your audience i hope you enjoyed watching this episode of spotlight with sandhya with ragava kk one of the most interesting human beings that i have had the fortune to discover over the years thank you sandhya i hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of spotlight with sandhya you can also watch the video on the rain tree media channel on youtube and as usual i'll be back with another interesting guest in the next episode take care and bye bye for now